Yes, sir, we promised you a great man. Right here. Right here. Andre, the Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the number one sports and recreation podcast in the world, Cheap Heat. My name is Peter Rosenberg. Hope everyone's having a good last week before the holidays or safe travels back if you're listening right now as you're traveling. Now, here's what we're doing. It has been a very hectic week. I've been dealing with many different things. So we were not able to get together, myself and Stack Guy Greg, and do a full episode yet, yet, because this weekend we will, and we will get one up over this weekend that you'll get before Christmas, okay? That is the plan. But for now, I didn't want to leave the good cheap heat universe, the Peckerheads, with nothing. And you know that someone of my stature, someone, a man that the WWE universe affectionately refers to as Greg, has to deliver. So that's what we have. A best of for you. Shout out to our producer, Kyrie, who's putting together a nice little best of some of the best interviews and best moments from 2018 on Cheap Heat. And we will be back in a couple of days with a new episode. So listen, you got a trip. Enjoy some great moments with myself, Greg, and Stack Guy Greg. Roman Reigns still here. WWE Road to WrestleMania is happening tonight. Boom. At the Garden. You should get tickets wow. right now. It's always special at the Garden. Um, tonight you have Roman, a six man, I believe. Uh, you, let's see, we got you, Seth, and Finn against Miz and the Miz Trage. Um, wait, the Miz is one of your buddies, right? I mean, one of my buddies? No, the Miz Ooh. trashes me on a regular occasion. I, I thought you see. guys were cool. No. Well, he came here and disrespected yeah. me basically the entire time. Yeah, he was cooking Rosenberg. I uh, by the way, I'm not cool. It, I don't think I'm cool with anyone. I, I actually, Roman, I joke these days. I'm now the, like the Roman Reigns of the kickoff show. I'm hated by I, the regular <laughs> casual wrestling fans <laughs> like me, and they're like, he's a good guy. He loves the 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 quote unquote smart wrestling fans, the ones who read the websites and stuff. They hate me. They well, all they think what? I pay Vince McMahon You're to on be the on big television. Push, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> He's on WWE programming. He's got his own I, I, show. He, He's on the network. Oh man, forget. Oh, because no. you're a hack. You're like, I, yes. you're, yeah, you're like. But no, but I actually have a, on a very mini level. On a very mini level, I relate to Roman, who's always just shown up, done his job, done a great job of it. And there are certain people who, no matter what he does, come for him. Well, because what they think you're privileged, Roman. I, I think it's a situation. I mean, there's a lot of different things you could chalk it up to. I'm sure, but uh, I think. You know, in life, there's a situation where everybody wants to see you do good, but not too good. You know what I mean? Like, once you pass that threshold of, you know, I'm doing well to, you know, major success, then I think, uh, you know, the questions and possible jealousy can, can come out. And, uh, you know, that, that's when negativity starts showing its face. But if you're strong in your convictions and you know who you are, you got to be bulletproof to that. But yes, but yes, Ebro, I believe, and I said this once quite clearly on, on the WWE Network, I believe that the fans originally chose Roman. When Roman showed up with the Shield, him, um, Seth Rollins, and Dean Ambrose, he was the one the fans chose. He was the one. Everyone was like, that's the guy. We love him. I was there for it. I was at the shows. I remember mm-hmm. it. And then WWE heard that message. They're like, they like this guy. So wait, and then and then they started. The WWE started treating him like that guy. And once the WWE started treating him like well, the guy the that people wanted, then they that's turned the government. On. Nobody likes the government. Right. Well, and 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 then so for you, Rosenberg, the fans didn't choose you. No, so they hated you from the beginning. <laughs> 
Thank you, bro. I just wanted, I mean, I was just going down. Well, no, but that's actually not true. There was a time when because of my interviews and my podcast, there was a big section of the, of, of, those same people who did choose oh, me. Oh, because they were like, this guy's just a yeah, fan Yeah, he like just us. loves it. Like, he's boom. only just like us. But and then, then you got knighted by the McMahons, and now you're finished. I don't know if I was quite knighted, but I'm allowed <laughs> to show up there and talk. Yeah, court gesture, man. Yeah. Court gesture. Yeah. Damn. 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 Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. You can juggle, too, right? Oh How do you fill a beer? All right, running along now. Yeah. That's basically yeah. it, what he said. I like it. I like it. I, I, and by the way, whoever at WWE that keeps trashing Rosenberg, please continue. Yeah, he loves it. You like it, and you're good at it. You're good at taking the heat. Oh yeah, I mean, listen. There's no better place. Let's be, there's no better place to take heat than WWE. That's what half of the business is about. That. That's, that's what it's all about. Roman, right? Roman, that's how do you? Right. So you walk out, you take the heat, right? It's not a problem for you, whether it's love uh, or whether it's hate. Night after WrestleMania last year, Roman, what was that like? You beat the Undertaker. You show up the next night. The man got booed for like eight straight minutes. Opened the mic, said like five words, dropped the mic, and walked out. Yeah, that was like the most empowering thing I think I ever done. Like, yeah, um, about you it. know, like, uh, to be able to just sit there and obviously we knew kind of the situation we were walking into, but to be able to have that much control and it's kind of followed suit for the, the past years. That's one thing I feel now is, uh, as a performer, you, you can get to a point where you have enough experience and, and you have enough know-how of what they're going to do and what you should do, you know, following to where you can control them. And there's a one, there's a point in there where, you know, the mic, I, anytime I raise the mic, they just went. Nuts. Yeah, so he but would just go like this. He had it to the point of literally a hand motion. And automatic boo. Automatic boo. So he was yeah, coming home. Yeah, it yeah. was more than just booze, too. I mean, it was steady chance. I mean, like, where they're censoring, they had to censor a good so, bit of the stuff. So where's it at now with you and the fans? I think, uh, you know, it's, it's still a very strong mixed reaction. I've always been that way, though. Like, I literally, like, before anybody knew who I was, I'm either a type of person, I don't know if it's just how I carry myself, how I look, what it is, the way I talk, but you either like me or you don't. Like, there's there's not much gray area. You either, <laughs> it, it's very black and white with me. Right. You're either with me or you're like, man, I don't like this guy. Well, look, man, that, those are, that is the uh, recipe for success right there. That is, you never want to be mushy feelings. middle. You never want to be mushy middle. So it's, what's Brock Lesnar's relationship with the fans? Is it love? That's interesting. What do you mean? Like, like does he uh, get booed? Um, I, I, it's a little bit different for him. And I, I think right now, you know, especially with where we're at and, and kind of the things that I'm bringing to light, you know, about him and his character and, and his work ethic, um, I, I think some of the fans are taking it negatively, you know what I mean? And for the most part, look, Brock's a cool dude. Like you, I mean, you can't deny the fact, like, he's a big jacked-up brother that, like, comes in and throws people on their necks, you know what I mean? Like, and In the past, you, pretty neat, you have you gotten I mean? to know him some? Like, I always, backstage, to me, he, he's always very reclusive. Like, I don't, it's not like you don't see him in catering. He no, doesn't, yeah, well, so, yeah, if, if you've been around long enough, you don't see anybody in catering. You know? <laughs> yeah. Wait, yeah, you're still in catering? Go, yeah. yeah. No wonder they make fun of you. I know, loser. Loser. Disaster. Yeah. Hanging but, like, out catering, loser. Sitting in the corner, catering. By myself, yeah. just being a plate of brownies. Just looking around. <laughs> Like, there's open seats hey everywhere, guys, guy. yeah, hey. There's room. Come hey on. Guys, come you want to sit with me? Really? You're going to double down the bullying when we were talking about Brock Lesnar and everyone's coming after me. No, but he's not a guy who you see around a lot. So have is he someone who you have gotten to know well at times? Um, yeah, I think, you know, because I have had interaction with him. I have a history with him. Uh, I've had a few match. You know, we had the, our our uh, main event match uh, back in 31 um, in 2015, and then we've had a few different um like you know uh 
like four ways and triple threats and stuff like that. So I've had matches where, you know, there's other characters involved and, and it's a different dynamic. But, uh, you know, anytime, you know, you're, you're in a situation like that, you do get to spend a little more time with somebody. And, and yeah, you know what I mean? When, when he's on his own time, he seems like a cool dude. I don't know him that well. I can't like we're not friends. Like, you, don't you don't talk. Go, you don't talk. Don't go. Yeah, you want to go get a pint? Like that ain't gonna happen. Did you? Know you know did I mean? you see when him and Braun Strowman? Oh, that two piece. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I showed it. it. I showed yeah, it to them when it. they. I did see that. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if a situation like that were to pop up with you at WrestleMania, honestly, would a level of fear? Cause if you if you're in a situation now where you're shooting with with Brock Lesnar, he's really trying to. You're Knock not sure you what's going to happen. I mean, he throws two at me. I'm throwing three right back. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, my dad was a big man. You know, I one of the one of the easiest things about wrestling Brock is there's not much thinking about it. It's just physical, man. And I've done physical my whole life. I played football my whole life since I was seven. Um, you know, I mean, I played Division One football uh, at Georgia Tech. So I, I've seen and been around. And I consider myself one of the best athletes in the world, you know what I mean? And, and what we do is a different form of entertainment, a different form of athleticism, but you still have to be an athlete. And, um, you know, in order to do what we do all year round, you have to keep yourself in that, that shape. So, you know what I mean? I, I'm never scared uh, to be able to push that button and let's go, you know what I mean? If I have to protect myself, I'm, I'm more than capable, no doubt. Strowman hit him with the, was it was a knee by accident, wasn't it? Was I forget, was it was a it, knee? Yeah, yeah, it was a knee by accident. It was accident. a knee to like the head, to the, to head. the head. And Brock basically kinda just said. Melt, he kind of stunned him. It oh, no, he him. did. Oh, no, no. He stunned him, and then, and then Brock was basically like, calm down, young man, and just Bop. gave him. Mm-hmm. Easy young bull. It'll, yeah. Easy young bull, yeah. This ain't a China shop. Here. I did, I will tell you, that was a moment, though, when I, because I didn't see it live. I just heard people, and I heard actual Wrestlers, there was excitement. Like you could hear people like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa what's going on?" <laughs> there, there was some. It was a moment like seeing two beasts like that mm-hmm. actually hitting each other hard in the face. I don't know. It better you than me, Roman. I'm glad it'll be you having to deal with this situation at WrestleMania. Well, thank you. Yeah, let's yeah. amp this up some more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely, absolutely. What, what else can we do? To well, you already off? said. Yeah. You already said if he does anything, you'll beat his ass. Yeah, um, that's not a problem. Call him. You call him. We can go and highlight all these things, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just emphasize it. Put it in gray. Um, but, yeah, that, that's the thing, though, is, you know what I mean? That That's the true value of Brock Lesnar, and, and that's what he gives you. You know what I mean? He he can give you that element where it's like, holy crap, what just what did I just see? You know what I mean? And and with his performance and with his experience in, in the octagon and, and what he's been able to take as far as being in, in that type of, uh, you know, fight and that, in that type of situation, He's been able to translate it very well to the ring, and and as you've seen before, when when he wants to do something or he wants to go, the the man's incredible. You know what I mean? If uh, you you go back and watch what we did a, a few year, years ago in Santa Clara uh, at WrestleMania, um, I mean he was spot on. You know what I mean? And and that's why I have you know the, this different view of Brock because from that moment on, it was a whole different situation for my career. So I have a lot of respect for that, but at the same time, you're only sure you up to work exactly he's being lazy right now well you know what i mean lazy is a strong word but you know every everybody has their own situation their own path uh but right you know right is right wrong is wrong and so you think lazy is stronger than is that what (laughs) um sometimes yeah yeah, just check it just depends on you know the way you're using the content well i mean in your world somebody being called yo i'm not 
lazy. Right. In my world, you know, lazy, I call him lazy every day. Right, but you, and you occasionally call me, I don't respond as but well to it. You don't respond well to right. but it's good to know that in WWE, flies, lazy is no Do good. Do not say lazy, these guys work <laughs> nah. there. Yeah, man, uh, well, listen, come come check Roman Reigns and so many more, including uh, John Cena and Nikki Bella um, in the rain tonight, um, Nia Jax, Alexa Bliss. Uh, Brock is going to be there. Brock versus Braun Strowman versus Kane tonight. So everyone will be at Madison Square Garden tonight. And then we learn WrestleMania is coming back to the Tri-State next year as well. So we will likely be seeing you at a very important match. Great to see you, Roman. Always good to be seeing you. Laura, you didn't say anything the whole interview. You're just staring at the guy, Uh, No, no, I wasn't just Starry-eyed, starry-eyed, huh? I was not starry-eyed. I mean, no disrespect, but... Damn, I like Roman, Lord. but it's like you try, you, you always like, try you to like, insinuate something else. I don't trust you. I don't trust she's you. She's retreating right now. I don't know. 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 Introduction here necessary. I believe everyone knows when WrestleMania will be taking place. I believe everybody already has their plans to be locked into the WWE Network or to be in New Orleans themselves. But um, it's two years straight, so let's go ahead and make it a tradition. Uh, a couple weeks before WrestleMania, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon here on Cheap Heat. Guys, thank you for making some time to talk to the Cheap Heat universe. Thanks for having us, Peter. Come on, man. Uh, I am very excited, as I imagine you guys both are, about uh, this time of year. Um, quite a build with an incredible card. Um, just on a personal level, um, what's your favorite part? I'll ask both of you guys. Steph, I'll start with you. Your favorite part of the weekend in general, work, personal, professional, what's your favorite thing about WrestleMania? Oh, let's see. My favorite thing about WrestleMania is family. Um, and that's a pretty broad word, but it's the, the best word I know to describe everything because not only is the whole WWE universe just a big giant family, and by the universe, I mean not only our fans, but superstars, employees. I mean, everybody who loves WWE is a part of this big giant family, and you feel that. You feel that connectivity, you feel that community. Um, but then also on a personal level, when you think about the my actual family, right? Mania is the event that my father created. And, you know, my grandfather passed right before WrestleMania. He never got to see my father's vision. And, you know, my grandfather ran the Northeast Territory of, of you know, four-hour business when it was a regional business before my father had the, the vision to take it global and he never really saw what it could be but every year at Wrestlemania I just feel him there and you consider the fact that this year I'm getting in the ring with my husband who is you know one of the greatest superstars in the history of our business oh, <laughs> yeah he's, he's <laughs> you know and and not only that but my brother you know, being there and, and hopefully still being able to compete and, and my children being there, my nephews, my mom, my sisters-in-law. I mean, it is it is family. And that's what WWE is all about. It's about creating these memories and these moments for families and for people that last a lifetime. That's what WWE is. And WrestleMania is all of that amplified, you know, to infinity. 
Well, and I was going to say, I mean, that's one part that I, I think, at least for people like me who are incredibly passionate about the WWE that has never lost, is that this is a family business, ultimately. And while it's become this amazing, huge, global thing that all of us feel a part of, the McMahon family, there is something special there. And that day, and Vince in particular, your father being able to be there to be such a prominent role still, I imagine does feel special. And so, uh, Hunter, I guess for you, it's sort of now it's become a little bit of both too. And what that, tr- what, what was that transition like for it being first just your goal as a superstar to be a part of it? And now you also being a part of this family. It's got to be pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. And look, Step, I think, hit the nail on the head with the family thing. I was just going to say we have really good catering there. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, the, the family component of it is huge. It is. It's our family. And it's our, um, it's our family business and our generational legacy of, of all of that. And that's massive. But you know, even as she was saying it in my head, I'm I'm hearing that. I'm thinking like WrestleMania in some way is like this massive family reunion. You know, p- your family comes from all over the world. Your WWE family, they're all everybody's like all a part of this collective enjoyment of the same thing, right? And we talk about it all the time. Like WrestleMania is the place where you can go sit in a stadium with a complete stranger from another co- a country, and if you're not a, a mega fan and you go. Oh, so what's the story on this one? The complete stranger next to you from another country will begin to tell you what the storyline is and why this is yep. important and who this person is and what they do and why. And like it, it, it breaks down barriers. It does all those things. So it's like this massive global family reunion. And you put all these people in one place and it's all the people that you are really close to. It's the people that you kind of in your family that you hardly ever met and your one idiot cousin that you don't even like, but he shows up too. And you kind of enjoy the moment when he's there for a minute. You know, it's just, it's a big, huge family thing. And, and, um, man, that's a huge part of it for us. It takes on a whole other level of meaning of family, but, um, and it was, it was a great it was a great descriptor of of kind of what the importance of it is. Well, and I think I think one of the things that I you know as sort of you know an ambassador with through my fanship and now getting to work with you guys, I, you know, as sort of an ambassador for this um, this company that I love so much and this business that I love so much. One of the things I really point out to people is like I go to UFC events. You know, I'm a sports fan. I go to everything. The truth is that UFC events. It, 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 while there are wonderful people there, it's not necessarily a place that you're going to make friends. There's a lot of rowdy, young, drinking sort of people there for a really intense competition. And when you go to WWE, you you want to be in the crowd. You, you want to get to sort of spend time with people because to your point, Hunter, when those conversations with people about how they view a certain story and a certain character – that is really what makes Mania Weekend fun. That's why I love New Orleans, frankly, because it's such a walking city. So the whole city gets kind of taken over by us, um, people who love it. And uh, that was – Steph, that was an interesting word that I think is um, very apt given the way all of us feel about WrestleMania. Steph, do you realize that uh, next year, 20 years since you stepped in the ring for the first time ever as a youngster uh, in the ring as a performer – Wow. And, no, I didn't realize yeah. that. <laughs> I, well, I, well, I was looking it up because 
uh, full disclosure, the night's, uh, the night Ronda de- uh, debuted, um, officially at Elimination Chamber, I was sitting at a monitor watching with Renee Young, we, we, you know, like, gathered there because we were going to do Talking Smack and had to see exactly what was, or, or Raw Talk, and had to see exactly what was being said, and we're sitting there dialed in, and I was nervous, as I'm sure a lot of people were, because you're watching someone step into this world for the first time, and um, Stephanie, then you started talking, and I was like, oh, well, we're going to be fine. Stephanie and Triple H are there. These are two people who, no matter how prepared Rhonda is for her first day, we have two people that will be able to get through this. And so it got me thinking about your level of experience and how long it has been that you've been doing it. Are you able to relate to someone like Rhonda and help her? Are you able to remember what you needed to do to get comfortable on the microphone and doing a promo and things of that nature? Well, I think we're a huge team in WWE. I think that I have certain skill sets and experience, like you said, on the mic. Um, Rhonda has certain skill sets that she brings, especially in terms of star power and physicality. Of course. I think Hunter has everything, right? And, and especially in terms of the actual match itself, as does Kurt. Um, so we're, we're a team out there all helping each other. So, you know, I, I would say... You know, yes, in some capacity, because it's that's what it's all about. Is it's about making at the end of the day the best product possible for our fans, and we're all going to do the best we can to do that. Uh, Hunter, also speaking of anniversaries, uh, tomorrow, twenty years since WrestleMania fourteen. Um, which of course, for those who may not remember the specific date, that is the the big DX. Uh, stone cold Mike Tyson moment. Um, in, in the, in terms of the stories you've been involved in throughout your career, how important was that run? Tyson appearing at Royal Rumble through WrestleMania. How big was that back in 98? Crazy. Um, crazy big. You know, that was one of those moments that the, the kind of Tyson Austin pushing each other. And then us doing the stuff with Tyson, who at that time, especially probably one of the most recognizable people on the planet, maybe the most, um, you know, stepping into our world. It was just all the pieces were there. You talk about lightning in a bottle. um, It was just all there and, and ready. I think Tyson was a little bit of the spark that just lit the whole thing up and and amazing period of time and run and crazy. You know, I was a huge Tyson fan as, as a, as a, a boxer and, and, um, you know, then getting to, to work with him and, and be around him during all that time. It was just a crazy, crazy period of time looking back on it. I, I think at the time it was exciting and everything. I didn't realize the impact that it had. You never do when you're in the moment, I think realize how big it is, but, it was uh, that was epic, you know, and and a, a really kind of a sort of a, a moment in time, a paradigm shift for WWE, you know. Uh, yeah, and would would you agree? And I'm biased. Uh, uh, Tyson's a friend. I do I do a podcast with him, but I so but I but before that, do you feel that in terms of the WWE celebrity wing of the Hall of Hall of Fame, if there was another specialized wing? for the highest, highest percentile of impact people had. Is that where Mike Tyson would be? 
absolutely. You know that that moment, just that whole that whole little run, that moment in time, the eyeballs that Mike put on us, and and the timing was right. Like I'm not, I don't want to take anything away from Austin because he was white hot, DX yeah. was white hot deals. Um, I don't want to take anything away from any of that, but there was a moment in time where we did this like in ring uh, workout. I think it was labeled as with Mike Tyson and Government Center in Boston. And um, I had never seen that many people. They, they, they estimated the the people there was, I, I can't remember what it was, but it was like 30, 50,000, something like that had shown up to this thing. It was far, people as far as you could see. I remember us driving there, not thinking it was a huge deal. And thank God I paid attention to it uh, when we were going over it because it was mostly Sean and Mike, but uh, I had paid attention. And, you know, we didn't really we weren't going over it like it was this huge deals government center outside. Okay. We were driving for like 15 minutes through these crowds with sirens and they had cops and like, we're in this motorcade and we're driving and we're driving and we're driving. And we're, I'm thinking like, where the hell are we going? And I'm realizing like, <laughs> Oh my God, we're trying to get through the crowd that is here to watch us. And we got to the ring and I remember getting out of the car sticking my head. I think it was out of the sunroof or something. <clears throat> and, uh, looking out and seeing people were just as far as you could possibly see down, down roads in the middle of downtown in Boston. And, uh, it was just insanity, you know? And then of course it all, it all went south and somebody hit Sean with a battery and he went back in the car and didn't come out. And <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing I paid attention because Mike looked at me and was like, now what? You know? And I was like, Oh my God, uh, this is on me. But, uh, but it was crazy. That's the kind of stuff to me that it was just, the impact, the level of eyeballs, the level of outside media attention that he was bringing to us at that time was just—it uh, was amazing. Yeah. Now and now here we are, twenty years later, and you have Ronda Rousey involved in one of the main events um, at WrestleMania, of course, um, with Kurt Angle versus you guys, which not, is going to be and not and not as a stunt, and not as a, a one-off, and not as a, a special one-time attraction as, as a WWE superstar. You know, as a continuing full-time member of the WWE roster, that that is the thing that I think is fundamentally different about this. It's, you know, it's as if Mike Tyson at that moment in time said, you know what, I, I, I'm not boxing anymore. I'm, I want to be a WWE superstar. And, um, yeah, and she seems very focused on telling people that. And you could tell it means something. And I, I ran into her before Elimination Chamber and really didn't know what to think. I'd never, I ran into her once at SummerSlam, but had never met her, didn't know how she'd be carrying herself. And to me, I don't know how you guys saw it, but to me, she carried herself like someone who really just wanted to fit in as, as part of the roster. Like I could actually see the nerves on her that I think all people have when, when you're first backstage and, and are part of the show she really seemed I, I i've been saying this on the radio show and i don't want to like i'm not trying to overemphasize it but almost shockingly humble w would you say that is um an accurate description of your opponent i'd say it's an actual accurate description of her as a person and i think that um her desire to do this because she loves it because um it's what she wants to do is as great as probably anything she's ever done in her career. Um, she's that, she's just that into it. And the thing is, is she knows like 
she doesn't want to disrespect you. She doesn't want anybody to think she's here for a paycheck because she's not. She's proud of being here. She's proud of being able to to put her name out there as a WWE superstar. She she it's funny when she's doing interviews, she doesn't want them to mention UFC much because not because she's ashamed of that or anything else, but because she doesn't she's proud of being a WWE superstar. That's what she wants to be now. And that's what she wants it to be portrayed as. She's proud of it and um, proud to be a part of that locker room and a part of that culture, part of the family, all of them. She loves it. And, um, you know, if people could see how hard she's really working at this, I think they'd respect that. Speaking of proud, um, Stephanie, tell me about how proud you guys and just everyone was in general of uh Daniel Bryan over the last couple of weeks. This has been a really interesting, complex story of someone doing everything they can to get back, speaking about it openly and honestly at every turn without anger towards the company, more an understanding of where you guys stood, but just was not going to stop fighting until he got uh back in action. And, and that moment a couple weeks ago I thought was – as touching and, and special a moment as we've seen in some time. What were your thoughts about it? Uh, I mean, I think proud is an excellent word. We're so happy for Daniel Bryan. I think to your point, Daniel Bryan as a performer and as a person is so genuine and authentic. He is who he is. And from his retirement speech, which I think there wasn't a dry eye in the house, you know, there really wasn't for anyone watching nope all the way through this journey, and then to hear his promo a couple of weeks ago on SmackDown, when he talked about going after your dreams and never giving up, and the sincerity with which he talked about it, and and Brie motivating him, and just all of that. I think it was impossible not to feel that moment. And, and I can't imagine what those two years were like for him, because this is all he's ever wanted to do all of his life is professional wrestling. It's what he loves more than anything. They must have been the hardest two years ever. But, you know, now here he is and he's back with his wonderful, amazing wife. And, by the way, their beautiful little baby girl. Uh, he's got a, a lot to live for and a lot to be happy about. And, and we're very happy for him. Yeah, and everyone who watches, I think, SmackDown is happy because now, I mean, I'm sure, um, Hunter, I'm sure your eyes widened once you realized it was a reality, too. All these names that now work at WWE that are yet to match up with Daniel Bryan, it's pretty exciting. Oh, my God, absolutely. You know, he just brings a whole other dynamic to this and a whole level of excitement. It's, it's wonderful. Beyond that, I mean, just happy for the human being. You know, one of the hardest things we ever have to do in our jobs is tell people that it's over. And um, that wasn't easy. But for the same reasons we listen to the doctors that tell us that it's done, we listen to the doctors that tell us that it's not. Um, and I'm, I'm thrilled that he's done everything he could, and I'm thrilled that he's has this second chance at it. And, um, man, it's it's awesome. All right, I'll, I'll, I'm going to ask you guys one last thing and let you go. Of course, I'm talking to Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, as you know. Uh, WrestleMania just around the corner a week from Sunday in New Orleans. Am I the only one who was watching the series of matches recently between Nia Jax and Asuka and was like, 
you know you know that they're not going to have a match at WrestleMania, but it, it, in that second one on Raw when Nia ended up like eventually tapping out. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm not saying this to sound humble. Seriously, I don't know anything about this stuff compared to you guys. I, but I was struck by, oh man, Nia Jackson, they're really telling a story in the ring. Like, I watched, I don't know if you guys were at the Garden House show, immediate, it was a week after that match, and Nia Jax hadn't really done anything character-wise to start earning love from the crowd except have a great match and I heard the pop that she got when she walked through the curtain and I was like oh man that's like the old school way that's how you really do it is just tell a story in the ring was that a feeling backstage in general that Naya and Oscar really killed it for a couple weeks yeah but I mean it's funny that I think in today's world of sometimes short attention span theater that everybody just wants everything now and they want everything today. And, and when they go back in time and you m- remember things from the past, you don't remember the long build. You don't remember what it took to get there. You don't remember that this guy was doing this for three years before he became that. You know what I mean? Um, sure. And, and I think that is one of the things. Yes, that is that is how you build a character. That is how you build respect. It's how you build longevity in this business. Um, it's grassroots. It's respect on the the true level, not, oh, this guy's really flashy. I like him. And three weeks later, you're looking for the next flashy thing. You know, it's it's a woman that went out there and put on the performances that earned people's respect. Night in, night out. She's been doing that, not just once or twice with Oscar, but she's been doing that since she came here. She's been taking steps every single week. And, and that is, yeah, long term, that's what, Two years from now, a year from now, three years from now, you're when she's a megastar and you're going like, yeah, man, Naya's awesome. You forget about all the steps it took to get there. You know, that 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 is that is what we do in the long term storytelling and long term character building and storytelling is what we do. But, uh, well, well like say, ahead, it's, Steph, it's not easy to earn our fans' respect. It does take a while you know and and rightfully so and i think that that's one of the things that Rhonda actually said in her promo when she first debuted is i want to earn your respect and and she gets that everybody gets that on our roster and um you know i know that i'm certainly going to be working hard for it at wrestlemania 34 um but of course i'm going to be trying to make them hate me so (laughs) (laughs) you make everyone do both so well um but (laughs) Isn't it crazy though uh, that that you you can be over as over can be in NXT and and people the most hardcore fans will go oh well all they have to do is show up on Raw and they're a megastar and I've actually been legitimately surprised I that I I would almost assume the same thing but you can see that people are really popular at NXT and they have to prove it again on the next level or it doesn't work out does that surprise you at all Triple H it doesn't, you know, it's, um, it's a different environment and the fans are different. I don't, I don't mean that overall, but like our harder core fans are the ones that are really engaged in NXT, our really most passionate fans, our most, um, engaged fans. 
and and they they love a style, and there are certain things that are going to really resonate with them, and there are certain things that are going to really resonate with with fans in general. Um, you know, that's not to say they're lesser fans; they're fans. And and Raw SmackDown, there's a different vibe on both shows. There's a completely different vibe in SmackDown. I I I work to get talent as ready as they possibly can be. That fact is separate from NXT. Yes, NXT gives them reps. Yes, NXT gives them a platform to perform in front of larger crowds. But I don't know that people understand what I mean sometimes. Like with with um, Elias, I, I, I knew for him that his success would be on the main roster. Success, much like Braun, his success would be based on his ability to entertain and his ability as a character and all those other things. It's not to take away from the other stuff he does, but that character is is almost custom made for for Raw and SmackDown. It is not the perfect fit for NXT, and I used to say it to him a bunch. Like, don't, don't, I'm just I'm, and I don't know that he understood. I was trying to get him reps to learn everything else, so that when we put him on the main roster, he had the platform to succeed. He had all the tools in his belt. Didn't matter what he did in NXT. Now, if you go to NXT and you get over and you're the top guy or top girl, whatever that is, and now you get that move, if you think you're just going to rely on what you did there and and that's going to translate perfectly and you're going to become the Uber star, it doesn't. It takes different things. You have to be more well-rounded. You have to be more engaged. Um, you know, you have to you have to have it all. And you have to be able to translate that all to a different audience and captivate them in a different way. Um, so it's, it is a little bit like starting over. The pressure is different. The environment is different. The expectations are different. The demand on your time and your effort. You know, NXT is like, uh, like going to high school. We take attendance. We make you do your homework. We, we do all the things and we take, we, and we grade it and we, hold your hand along the way. And then when you move up to the main roster, you're a pro now, right? We, we're not taking attendance anymore. We're not, we're, you're, you're kind of doing your thing. Um, but it's a tough transition and it's a tough transition to stay focused, to stay on top of all of it. And it's a lot of pressure. So that pressure can build and it can mount and how talent handle that and how they respond to it as not only performers, but as characters, as, as all of it, um, it, it all comes down to whether they will make it or not. And it doesn't have to be moment one. You know, you graduate up. It doesn't, you don't have to be the next big thing to main event WrestleMania the following year. It's a building process. This business is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Well, uh, Guys, thank you so much for making time. Uh, our, my listeners here on Cheap Heat, everyone, everyone knows they go along the journey with me, and everyone knows how excited I am to have my second year to go down and do the kickoff show at the at the big dance at Mania. So the next time you see me, I'll be wearing a tuxedo and an S-eating grin, and um, I'm thankful and looking forward to it. Thank you for making time, guys. Thank you very much for having us, and we'll see you at WrestleMania. See you at WrestleMania. Thank you. All right, let's stop there for a second, Kyrie, and let me talk to you about Indochino. Yes, you're tired of not looking mage. You're tired of having outfits that just don't fit right. You buy a suit off the rack, it's big in the shoulders, it's big in the chest, it's not right. 
How can you afford custom suits? You can't. It's just too damn expensive. You're not Hollywood super agent Dipperstein. So what do you do? You go to Indochino. Yes, the number one made-to-measure menswear company in North America. Visit a stylist at one of the showrooms and get measured. You can even do it on your own if you want. And check everything out at Indochino.com. Chinos, uh, shirts, suits, everything you need. Custom, baby. The fitting will be just right for you. And right now, if you go to Indochino, you can get any suit for just $3.59 if you enter the promo code HEAT at checkout. That's Indochino.com, promo code HEAT, and you can get 50% off regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit. So what are you waiting for? Indochino.com, promo code HEAT. Get a suit from Indochino today. Yes, as we continue on our... Our WrestleMania Radio Row Spectacular continues. SGG. Um, there's a very excited Brian Dipperstein right now. Yes. Directly to my left. Um, very excited. And also a man, the only guest so far who's appeared in our Black Power Rankings. Yeah, yes. This is true. Alistair Black. Black Power Rankings. Yes. All right. Okay. You are, yes. in fact, you're the only white man to ever make it to the Black Power Rankings. Yeah. And you ranked very, I believe you was number one I think you were number one, one at one point. One, number one. Number yeah. one at one point, yeah. then you dropped to number two. You could go back up to number one. All right, well, what do I have to do to go back to number one? you got to tell me, because I first and foremost, explain this whole Power Ranking system to me. Okay. Okay, so the Black Power Rankings came because I noticed that no matter what we did on the show, Greg would find a way, we'd always end up talking about black superstars even if they didn't have anything going on greg would just end up shouting out black superstars so for i had the idea i was like wait black power and then there's power rankings i was like ooh, black power rankings it's a play on words obviously All right, right yeah. gotcha. so then one day i guess close to when like a takeover yeah it was close to right it was it was near his debut though yeah. that we came in and we were like yo we love Alistair Black, and he's going in. He just Black ended power. up in the Black Power rank as the only white man in the Black Power rankings. I'm, uh, I'm honored. Yeah, this is a, of all the honors you've received so far. I'm sure this yeah. is big. This has got to be up there, though. Right? It is. It is. Well, you know, like especially because it's it's the Black Power ranking. That's for for a white man. That is that's a big that's deal. That's a pretty big accomplishment. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that's not even trying to be and funny. We that's had a <laughs> we had a black president in the White House, and now we have a white man on the Black Power rankings. I mean, we, we're building bridges here. Honestly. Now you uh. Uh, we were just saying, and by the way, my agent Dipperstein is just, we were, we were making fun of him just because he is the biggest Alistair Black fan there is. Oh. We, we, uh we we all have been since you, you showed get, up. Did you get the Alistair Black shorts, the the box short, the no, boxer briefs? No, you're not you're not included in that. I, I don't have any. I don't have no. You're, are you you I don't. don't you, the, wait, they're available. There's a other boxer briefs that you can get. <laughs> Dip, would you wear Alistair? <laughs> Dip, would you wear Alistair Black? Uh, Greg, get past my. Monday through Friday. Okay, you wear them every day. All right, good. All right, good. now, I'll, but I was saying it's so funny. We all love you so much as a talent. I know very little about you personally. You're Dutch. Yeah. Um, from Amsterdam. Yes. Um, so tell us, tell us a little bit about your your falling in love with wrestling. I I don't know that I've ever talked to anyone about falling in love with wrestling in, in Amsterdam. Well, what's the scene because like? Because it doesn't happen very often. Okay. And, uh, like, um, it's a very like remote group. Of people that uh, are into professional wrestling, especially like you know, back then I was three years old when I saw um, sports entertainment, professional wrestling. And what did you say? I saw, from what I remember, so this might be a very tainted memory because keep in mind I'm three years old. But I think I saw Yokozuna kick hands out of the million dollars man's ha- hand, like boom. Yeah, yeah. that's I think I think that's and I was like, what, what's that? And my dad wasn't into wrestling, though, so he kind of like flicked it away. 
And that stayed me because I was so awestruck by it. I was like, well, what is that? And then three, four years later, we got New Japan. And I got hooked on New Japan. And I was like, oh, that was what I was watching, not realizing that was Japan. It was America. I was five years old at the time. But what I saw was two dudes fighting. That's how I, that's how it resonated with, with me in my, in my child's brain that I still have to this day. Um, and it influenced me to the point where I was like, right, I want to do this when I grow up. So I got to start doing what they're doing and I think what they're doing is fighting so I started doing judo and karate and then eventually when I realized that that was not what they were doing it was a completely separate thing but I was already so hooked on martial arts that I kept doing martial arts so I went to Penchak Shilad and more famously kickboxing which is a pretty big thing in, in, in the Netherlands um, and I did that until I was 15 years old competing a little bit as well and then I got the opportunity to train for wrestling in The Hague for a little bit and after that I had to start like traveling to get my training uh, from different places which was very difficult at the time and I think it was 18, 19 years old and then I had a couple of matches uh, in pro wrestling at that time already but I felt that I missed something, so I went back into martial arts as well, and I started training kickboxing again because I had to get a better understanding of my techniques and I had to get a better understanding of like my character. And I felt that like doing kickboxing helped me with my conditioning, ring ability, and just like all around understanding did, of it. Did you did you enjoy the competitive aspect of martial arts? Was I that, did very much. That so. was the part you were it into. Nerve wracking. I was going to say a totally different kind of compare the nerves for me. Like one of the things that I think makes wrestlers different from fighters, and I interview both. Yeah. And I generally enjoy interviewing wrestlers much more, which is why I work Wait, here yeah. and don't work at UFC. Is that I think you guys have this person personality mm-hmm. element that a lot of times people who are into competitive fighting don't necessarily have because they're not performers; they're they're fighters. Right. Is there what's the difference in your brain when you're walking towards a real fight versus walking towards performing? You know what, and that that, that that's interesting. Yes, because I've actually pondered that, and for me, intensity level there is no difference. I feel to an extent just as nervous uh, remembering uh, walking into a real fight than I did uh, walking into the ring. The only difference now is is that i'm more comfortable with those nerves i mean after i mean i've been in wrestling since uh, since 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 2000 you know and i had my first match in 2002 so obviously after 15 16 years of like doing matches you'd expect you'd be a little bit more comfortable walking through yeah, the ring and i am and i am and right. i am like i think the biggest thing is when you're younger and you walk into a real fight you're like oh this is gonna hurt damn it you know what i mean well, that's the scary <laughs> part like, how and, much and, is gonna hurt well and now and now like you gladly accept that and it's like whatever because it's like it's a very different sport but the nerve to extend that baseline of nerves even I think even when I talk about it I can feel it rumbling in my stomach because I know exactly how it feels it feels the exact same it's just like it's almost this like anxiety driven fear that you're gonna have to like accept if that makes you, any sense have you had any matches that like have exceeded the baseline of nerves where you yeah. went into it and just like oh yeah oh yeah so last year charts. Orlando against Andrade Sinomas I don't think I've been as that nervous uh, in a long time up until like my first ever match my first ever match in wrestling I was super excited super excited so excited I'm like oh my god I'm gonna wrestle this that and then they came I was like oh god I have to get in a ring today <laughs> and like you're like oh wow you know what I mean and then all of a sudden the realization hits you that it's like it's going to happen. And, like, you're so nervous. And I felt the exact same way last year as I was wrestling Andrade. I was like, 
Well, now you got to go and do it. And but yeah, you go, yeah, but you've done this like literally uh, like a few thousand times. What are you worried about? Like, yeah, but yeah, but this is different. This is WWE. This is a whole new ball game. Well, and, and by that logic, is tomorrow then the biggest one so far in your young, not so young career? Or could it be baseline because yeah. Yeah, it's WrestleMania weekend again? It's sure. Andrade again. But the thing is, the thing is, like I'm de- like I can deal with it better now that we've had multiple pay per views. Now that I've like you know we have television tapings and you know how the system works and you know like. As a performer, you've grown so much that you, you know, you adapt. Like, it wouldn't be a good thing if I was still that nervous and if I was still that, like, no, I'm completely comfortable. I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Right. You, and I'm going to have fun. And you'll still get a high, but you, it's one you oh, look yeah. forward to and embrace it. Oh, yeah. Um, how often do you get, how often do people say, this guy could be the next CM Punk? How, how, is that a common thing for you? See, I don't, I think the only reason they say that is because we both have tattoos. And, and we lip, both like hardcore. And that's it. Sure. But there is like, like, like even, 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 and, and even if you would go into the fact that people go like, oh, you know, they have a similar style. I'm like, I don't think my style is completely different than Punk's ever was. Sure, Punk had like a, a, a worked, at the time, a worked a Muay Thai background. Mine's, mine, mine was never worked. So you could definitely tell that his striking was very different than, than, than mine. And I feel that him and me were never comparable like his 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 promo style his promo delivery his whole his vibe was completely different i think that people need to stop making that comparison because there's literally nothing about me and him apart from like we like hardcore and we have tattoos yeah it's that's so, like you it's know? so true because even yeah. um you mentioned cm punk and this is not a knock on him but no, like no not at all i believe that your back kick would take my head off and i don't believe that with him like I believe that I would have to do the dive. Mm-hmm. I believe that with you, I don't have to give you any help mm-hmm. dropping to the ground. <laughs> well, yeah. well, in your case in particular, I think both of us, either way, we'd be bad. <laughs> now, do you th- maybe the only way that you could solve this conversation and get people to stop having you is just kick CM Punk's ass once and for all. <laughs> I think at this point... Uh, uh, Dipper's um, you'd be thrilled. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd pay to see that a thousand percent. <laughs> I think I think uh, I think CM Punk is very busy with this uh, with this. Uh, obviously, you know, he just took he just took the UFC fight. So best of luck to him. Yeah, he's got I another feel, fight. I feel that is, uh, you know, that's that's a big thing to, to, to accomplish as well. Like getting into the UFC ring, that's intimidating. As would well. you? Like would, he, he's a he's a he's a very confident human being. I can, oh, yeah. I can clearly tell. So, um, I, w- I would love to compete against him in in, in a professional wrestling. That's definitely something I would love to. I always have uh, have had a lot of respect for him as a uh, as a competitor, and I think he's. Uh, I think he, I think it was a phenomenal talent. Um, you, you have any craving though when you see someone like him go fight again? Are you like, oh yeah, that's cool. I would want to do that. Or like you're no, nuts, dude. I have no interest no, in going no, back no, there. I, you know what? Like I got into I got into into martial arts because of pro wrestling, and then pro wrestling was uh, martial arts oh, was my, was my biggest inspiration in determining and like making my hybrid style of like my my hybrid style of wrestling. Those days are behind me. I have no interest in It was going a means back. to an end, and, yeah. and you're here now. And, and, but I still enjoy training because the training aspect of, of kickboxing, uh, for me, like the conditioning of it is like something I still do. Like, I love it because it's like, if anything prepares me mentally, it's just hitting the bag or like hitting, hit, hitting pads for like an hour, hour and a half. That's like, I love that. When was the last time you had a pinch yourself moment? Because I mean, you're a Dutch kid. You have no one around you to be like, oh, well, you know, the guy in our neighborhood, he, he actually once made it. I, there, I don't know of one story of American professional wrestling and the Dutch. It's just not something no, you put together. Doesn't happen. So, so how, what was the last time you had a moment? I, that I, I can't I, believe I, I'm here. No, I don't. You know, you know why? And that's not to sound arrogant, but as soon as I give into that, I feel then it's going to like overtake me. Yeah. I feel that as long as I can keep my level head on this, I can keep my calmness about me in terms of like, 
uh, all, all this because this is some this is a gigantic thing. But as long as I can keep myself level headed and just kind of go like, it's not a day. And of course, and of course, I enjoy to ride. But I also think that a part of my personality, and and maybe you know the culture uh, that 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 is like 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 the Netherlands, like we're very sober minded people. We're extremely sober minded. That's also why wrestling doesn't really specifically work in the Netherlands that well. It's funny to say too, because Americans so don't associate Amsterdam and sobriety. But continue. <laughs> well, that's sober mind. Sober mind. The thing is, like, it's 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 true. Like like. Um, we're very sober-minded people. We're very, very stern in our in, in our ways, and we're very like set in what we in our convictions, and we're all about like. And like, I think one of the biggest differences was like if 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 I would have a problem with a with a person, like I wouldn't even hesitate to walk up to this person and go like, "Hey, so um, I heard such and such. Can we have can we have a second? Oh my god, I can't wait for you get to get to the WWE locker room. It's gonna that that, that conversation. Oh, I, I don't. Like I don't, I don't I like those conversations don't happen. I don't. I, I, I don't I, well, I don't, I, I, I'm not gonna comment because I don't know that. But I, I haven't experienced that at all. But like, I know that from 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 like uh, in, in a lot of other countries, like 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 talking to each other is something that's still kind of very well, no, no, and, that, and that's my point you know I mean? the WWE locker rooms are just a microcosm of life we don't as a tendency I think Americans we have a tendency to sort of like avoid conflict yeah like much I, I don't like Alistair things. I'm like oh, Alistair's weird I don't I'm know. gonna avoid him uh, you're getting pulled away to go do more um, we are very excited to see what you, you have in store yes. tomorrow night good luck tomorrow uh, obviously you will not be overwhelmed in the moment but enjoy the moment because I think it's I gonna will. be a big weekend for you thank you man appreciate it cheers thank you Alistair Black ladies and gentlemen and one more word here on Cheap Heat about our friends at Stamps.com. Yeah, you know, I've been selling some stuff on Depop, getting rid of some old wrestling t-shirts, some different merch. Uh, sneakers and t-shirts is what I've been selling it under on Depop. And it's been so easy because I've been using Stamps.com to send stuff. So instead of having to leave the house, any letter, any package, any class of mail, you can use your own computer and printer. The mail carrier picks it up. No trips. So easy. Print postage at any time, any day, nighttime, makes no difference. Stamps.com is always open, and they save you money, all right? Great prices, too. Did I mention that? Here's the deal. You can go to Stamps.com right now, okay? Click on the microphone on the top of the homepage, type in the word HEAT, and get us an amazing offer, a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale, so you can do everything on your own. That's stamps.com. Go to the homepage, click the microphone, type in heat, and get this amazing four-week trial. Sending things has never been easier. All right? That's stamps.com. Especially easy to return those gifts you don't want to Amazon, to wherever. So easy. Stamps.com. Promo code heat. Do me a favor. Enjoy yourself. Major.